Welcome again, Touch Heaven, and those of you online. We thank you for being part of this, and I sort of sense that some of what the Lord released this morning is going to trickle out for longer than a week. We'll deal with that. If um, our team will put that online, that word, and if you're unable to go online or get it, uh, just let us know and Dwayne can make a whole bunch of small little CDs or whatever with that word. When words like that break forth in me, it, it takes a lot out of me. It drains me. And um, I think a lot of it is because I'm myself dwelling in so deep upon those things that he says. And I've never before received a word such as that that challenges me and you, whomever, to reset ourselves. That's a major reset. This isn't a minor reset. This isn't a revival. This isn't a promise keeper's experience. This isn't a church experience. This is a reset, total reset. It sort of makes sense to me now in the ways that he's been taking me and the things he's been showing me and what he told me. 43 years ago. But isn't it somewhat, the word moving is incorrect, overwhelming? When things that you heard and saw a long time ago begin to come to pass, but in a different outpouring than what you had thought or imagined. I'm expressing and sharing myself with you. So Lord, just allow what's fresh and new that you just dumped and loaded upon us and upon me. Allow me, Lord, not to take away or add to that which you have. But if you will allow me to embellish, Lord, then allow me to do that. And to who shall hear, let them hear. Who shall see, let them see. And who shall reject, have mercy. Amen. So, I left my prepared notes over there. No, no, I don't want them. You could, you could read them, take them home tonight. It's a really good teaching. It was supposed to be about, and I guess in a way it is, that when God gets big, we get small, and when we get small, God gets big. 
That's what he gave me. I pressed into it the only way I know how, some prayer and study. He is showing us what he meant now. So as I scrambled over there in my stupor, I'm still in a bit of a stupor, by the way. The, uh, the spiritual church, I'm going to call it the old church now, because there's a new church that's been birthed. The spiritual church refers to it as being drunk because at Pentecost, that's what they were accused of. One of the things they were accused of was being drunk, right? I don't like that. Because for those who understand what it means to be in a different mindset because of chemical influences, albeit drugs or alcohol, that's not flattering, right? It's not flattering. It doesn't flatter me. What flatters me is to be overwhelmed in the Spirit of God. That flatters me. That says, wow. So I think we'll call it overwhelmed and not drunk. Right? All things are new. That needs to go away. We're not drunks. We're not drunks. We're not out of our minds. We're not able to connect things. We're not those who don't understand or, or somehow our minds are somewhat blocked or in a state of unconsciousness that's not conscious of God. No, in fact, it's heightened more so in the things of the Spirit of God. As I was dwelling upon that, because there's been moments in the last few weeks where I've really been overwhelmed in the Spirit, unexpectedly in unexpected places at unexpected times. I've, I've been in this place now, I shared it with you some weeks back and took some flack for it where I said I was embracing the humanity of Christ because I can relate now to him in a way I couldn't before. Very interesting. Hmm. My wife always tells me that some people take the teachings off of YouTube and use them. There was a man this morning I turned on, and guess what he was doing? Teaching about embracing the humanity of Christ. I, I heard my notes. I was blessed with that. So as I pondered that, and I said, Lord, I, is it that we, me, us, we're... We're not designed enough to take this overwhelming overpower of the Spirit that you walked in. Jesus walked in the fullness of the Spirit in flesh, right? Are we to think that he was just a maniac walking around the earth, bump, bouncing off of trees and not being able to talk to people? We know better than that. He was sharp as a tack. He was pinpoint. He was spot on. He was aware of his surroundings. 
He was timeless in his mindset in time. He understood. And yet, he had to press in to get it. And then I realized the Lord is telling us, you and me, we need to become, to learn, and to become comfortable and acclimated in walking, listen to me, in a greater power of the Spirit. You see, we're trained that those are moments. You come up and some anointed person and they lay hands on you and you go down and you get up and then it's gone. Or we believe there's a moment in worship when it pours out and then all of a sudden the intensity is there. But then it sort of wears down. It's like a battery that's starting to run out of power until it needs recharged again. But just what if, <laughs> just what if this man's not totally crazy? And just what if there's a new baptism of power that doesn't diminish? just like Jesus. Uh, what if? The prophets, the warriors, those who had calls in what we refer to as the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, the Spirit would come upon them and then their fears would go away. Just what if this new baptism power pouring out upon us takes away our capacity to fear? What if? What if you're walking in such intensity of the Spirit at all times that fear has no place in you? Unbelief has no right to you. Poverty doesn't know your name. The demons run from you by your mere presence. What if you don't need to use formulas in man's reasoning to bring people to Christ? What if you do it the same way he did? Huh? What if? As I was in my office this morning not realizing what was about to happen, I closed my book and I wrote down some words. Calling, <laughs> calling, I heard calling. And the next one I heard was love, have love. Yes. Know God's love and love God.
love were nothing but a tinkling bell if we tried to talk people into Jesus without love. How many of you want to be romanced by somebody telling you that if you don't listen to them, you're going to hell? That won't make for a first date. (laughs) But if you love, you love somebody without an agenda because you have this new baptism power like Jesus had to love first, but not to waste your love on the unrighteous. Now let's talk about that a minute. We're just having a discussion here at this moment. Let's talk about that a moment. If somebody's unsaved, they're unrighteous according to the definition that he was made sin who knew no sin that we, you, I, in Christ might be made the righteousness. So we know righteousness comes from Christ But don't you know that those that Christ labeled unrighteousness, they weren't heathen sinners? They weren't the Gentiles that he was going out to the world and cussing and cursing them because they didn't know Yahweh, the God of Israel. It was the religious people. It was the religious people. So do you understand why this pastor, this man, and I'm operating in a different office right now than pastor. Do you understand why I'm focused on the unrighteous church? Because he's focused on the unrighteous church. And beloved, let me tell you something, that's not a message. That's not a call. That's not an assignment for the weak. That's an assignment for the God strong. To call out on righteousness from those who are self-righteous in God. That's the beginning of preparing the way, beloved. That's the beginning. What are you called for? What are you called for? Is your calling maybe a little different? A different challenge than what was before? How many of you feel inclined to deal with unrighteous church people? Or how about unrighteous pastors? How about unrighteous prophets or teachers? Hmm? Hmm. You see those mouths? They have influence. And that influence permeates down. That's why I once said these Great crusades are wonderful things. For a moment, people give their heart to Jesus, and then we don't know what happens after that. 
We get these big numbers. 5,000 people were saved, 10,000 people. 100,000 people came, they all put their hands up. What happened the next day? Who became their spiritual pastor, their teacher, their prophet? Who became? Most of them, nada. You know how many people I talk to? <laughs> Church people. They're bouncing around trying to find the perfect church because they can't find the perfect pastor. And you know, I blame that on pastors. Because pastors need to get real. They need to make it attainable to serve God, walk with God, love God, be loved, be accepted without being perfect. Or at least the perception of righteousness of the self-righteous. Interesting thing about the way Jesus established his church He never commissioned jobs, occupations. <laughs> he didn't say, you're hired to be a pastor. He didn't say, you're hired to be a teacher. He didn't say, let me charge you tuition so you can become like me? Somehow we've gotten off the track. I call it the business of the ministry and that's unrighteousness. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it creeps in to churches and people and it has a name that goes along with it. It's called fame. And as the name grows fame, the business grows bigger. And as the biggest business grows bigger, then the serving of the name to fame grows bigger. And it becomes this self-serving, vulturous thing that consumes itself with itself. And the things of God the new things of God, they almost get completely vanished away. And there comes a repetition that just keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated. Why is there such a thing as a church? I've been asking myself that question a lot private conversations with me and the Lord. He said, it's a place that I allow my people to come to love each other and to love me. And it's a place where I want them to be safe. Safe. How about all the other things, Lord? How about all the other 
things that are involved with churches. And the answer I got was this. Son, I'm in some of it and some of it I'm not. Some of it is agendas. Some of it is me. You know what my response to him was? I'm being honest. Lord, I'm a terrible pastor. That's what I told him. I don't do well with putting things together. I don't like it. It's not my thing. And then the Lord reminded me of something he said here 10 years ago, 11 years ago, out of Zechariah. Don't disdain. Don't disdain the beginnings of small days. I said things. He said days. I said, don't disdain the beginning of small days. Lord, what does it mean? He said, son, you're counting days like many count days. Get a timeless mindset, son. I explained it to you. You're teaching it. Get one. What is a day to me? Oh, Lord, it's like a thousand years. What's a thousand years? It's like a day. He said, son, don't disdain small days. I said, ah. Oh. So maybe I'm not as bad a pastor as I thought I was. Maybe it's small days. And then I began to draw upon the word that says we must decrease so that he increases. Here's what I got sitting over there for you, for me, for us. You do well to read it. Isaiah chapter 54 and 55, these are Messianic era chapters. They have a dual meaning. They can pertain to Israel in that day and its future that was coming as it was regathered from both Babylon and even in 1948. But it also points to the messianic era that is preparing the way and the Lord coming back. He speaks out to Isaiah a few things and I just want to embellish a few scriptures. We have time. Isaiah 54. Verse two. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not length your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall break forth on the right hand and on the left and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles 
and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. As we consider that again, it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Now, putting this forth into modern day Christianity, that means build a bigger church. That means to take your word around the world. That means to buy more time on Christian television so that your word can go out, but the strange thing about that is, for the most part, it's the same word as 300 other people sending it out with big churches also spending five, six, seven thousand dollars per program. Is that a good source of God's resources? Hmm? I mean, it would be something if there was something fresh and new in each one of those messages every week, but a lot of it is regurgitated, same old, same old. Some good teaching. Difference between a pastor, a teacher, a prophet, and even an apostle. I was reading about just before Paul and Barnabas separated themselves, and they had, if you will, a, a church. I don't know what else to call it. It was a fellowship, a church. And do you know what it was specified for? It says specifically in that word in Acts that it was a place to train up quickly and to become comfortable in unity as prophets and teachers. No pastors, no evangelists, no apostles. Prophets and teachers. Now, teaching the word is a, is a gift of God and it's a wonderful trust and responsibility of the Lord teaching the Word. Expanding in the Word and piecing the Word and denying parts of the Word is no different than a teacher in the schools genderizing children. Turns children into what they think they should be or could be, and it's no different than people who teach the Word, who change the Word or adjust the Word to their perception rather than the fundamental Word. And when that stuff happens, we end up with false prophets, many of them. We end up with perverted words of God and people chasing eschatology, chasing what people's perceptions is of the last days and the end times rather than pursuing the Word and pursuing the Spirit of God. 
People can't help themselves because if you want to be accepted, and of course if you accept it, and if you accept it, everybody who came up with some kind of a presumption about these last days was correct, well then you need to continue that on, especially if you were processed through a biblical school that promotes that. Hmm. And so we end up with all of these different presumptions of what's supposed to happen in this day that we're in, by the way, for the Lord to return. Some of it is a huge revival all over the earth. I'm not sure. Are you? Is that your, what you're accepting because some people that I expect and you respect, and some of them are my friends, one of them a very good friend, because that's what they promote? Or have you balanced it out with darkness over the whole earth? Have you balanced it out with hot, cold, and lukewarm? Have you balanced it out with the fig tree and the signs and woes of the times? Where does that word come from? Show me, please. So I don't deny it because I want it, but I don't preach it because I don't see it. Right? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomsoever shall call upon His name shall be saved. God so loved the world, it's the whole world. He died for all sinners, no matter whether they become saved or not. My Jesus Christ, your Lord, took upon Him all the sins of the world. So that qualifies everybody to be saved if they will. Whomsoever shall call. But there's a new baptism pouring out to change the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. You see, it's a family issue. That's why the attack is on the family. That's why it's on the genders. That's why it's on images. It's a family thing. God's outpouring is a family thing to turn the hearts of children to fathers and fathers to children. And it's both physical and spiritual. How many of you know that as pastors, you're a spiritual father? God's saying, I'm here to, I want you, I need the spirit, I need your hearts to be open to turn your hearts to the children and for the children to turn their hearts to you. I once preached in a very big forum. It didn't go over too well because there was about a thousand pastors there. Maybe that's why the Lord sort of cooled my heels so that I would be preaching in my time instead of out of time. And what I said was it's wonderful that we have these big revivals and crusades. We get people saved, but what are we saving them into? The same process that people need to come out of? How many of you know that a lot of people think by serving their pastor, they're serving God? Oh, don't preach that at a pastor's conference. 
It's nice to honor the man of God. But it's better when the man of God honors God and humbles himself to the people. People don't need to put pastors on pedestals. They need pastor to put God on the pedestal. I don't need an armor bearer to carry my Bible in and off of this podium. I need God to carry me to that podium and take me back off again. Without him, I ain't going. And there's no man, no woman, that's gonna carry my mantle to the podium. Protect your mantle. It just hit me. Protect your mantle. I protect my mantle. I don't let people speak for my mantle. I don't try to give it away. I can't anyway. I protect it with a big shield. I don't let words stop me. Do you know that David's brother tried to stop him? Who do you think you are to come down here and tell us that we shouldn't be afraid of this giant? You're just looking to make a name for yourself. Who's watching? And these were his words. Who's watching those few sheep that is your life? <laughs> you little pastor, pastor of sheep, who are you to come and tell us? David could have stopped right there, couldn't he? You want to step out and help God prepare the way for what's coming? Expect the people in the church to come against you because your word's going to be not what they want to hear. It's not going to put pastors on the pulpit. It's going to tell the pastors, get off the pulpit and put God on the pulpit. Humble yourself. Don't tell them to repent. Repent yourself. I'm not asking anyone to repent unless I'm repentant. And I walk in repentance. There's a difference between a moment of repentance and walking in repentance. From the moment Jesus became cognitive as a child, and he began to understand his calling and who he was and what it was that he came for. He knew the day would come that he would repent for all the sinners of the world. He walked in a cloak of humility and repentance. And he was strong enough to look at the religion of his day and say, this is wrong. You don't even know who your God who your father is. Beloved, I'm here and I'm telling you this isn't going to be popular. There's a lot of pastors who don't really know who their God is right now. I played one for you last week, an Archbishop of England, who said we should quit calling him Father. We're genderizing. He doesn't even know God. And he's overseeing bishops that they call pastor from people in their churches. And you heard me right, I called him a dog. He's a spiritual dog. But unfortunately, there's many. Every pastor that calls himself a Christian should be speaking out against genderizing right now. Every one of them. And if they're not, ask a question, why not?
I think you know the answer. Oh, I know I'll get flack. Dwayne will tell me he got all kinds of stuff. I, don't, I tell him don't even show it to me. You answer it, son. I don't care. And when they really get upset with me, the witches come out. They come from England. They come, they start writing the witches. We're cursing you. We're nursing this. I laugh. Hey, Dwayne, when they do that, just send them one thing. Give them Psalms 51. Tell them, be careful about the pit they dig. They'll fall in it. <sighs> I'm a warrior. I call sin, sin. I call witchcraft, witchcraft. I call unrighteousness, unrighteousness. And I do it knowing I'm imperfect, and I do it in the fear of the Lord. And I've trained myself, and I keep training myself, keep reminding myself daily, many times a day, to walk in repentance. Not once. Not once. And there's another lie we've been taught. Once saved, always saved. Just go out and sin. No! You can lose your salvation, beloved. The Lord told us. He made it so clear and so simple. Lord, I knew you. I prayed for your name. I, I healed in your name. I served you. I don't know you. Depart from me. How simple could he make it? But yet we have people teaching once saved, always saved. Because that's the grace of God. No, the grace of God is that he holds on to us till the very last second. But he does not make our decision for us. Whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. We want to walk in a new power. We need to walk in a new repentance. And we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. And when we walk in the fear of the Lord with a new power, we will fear nobody else and nothing else. That's what God is raising up. That's who God is raising up. That's the word. So in Isaiah, you shall break forth, verse 3, 54, on the right hand and on the left hand, and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles. Verse 4, fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. Don't be confounded, for you shall not be put to shame. For you shall forget the shame of your youth and shall not remember the reproach. We go on further in chapter 54. We love this one, don't we? I could go on and preach the whole chapter. I'm trying to pick a scripture, but it all jumps out at me right now. Verse 16, behold, I have created the smith that blows the coals in the fire. That's what we saw this morning. A new fresh wind created by God blowing. And it wasn't a moment. It wasn't a Pentecost. It wasn't a preach and fall down issue. It wasn't pulling out of the church parking lot drunk. And then all of a sudden you're slapped to and awake. He said, it's a steady wind that I'm beginning to put out. And recall what he said, it has drops of wrath in it. That scared me to preach. <laughs> when he gave it to me, it was like, <laughs> say it, son. Drops of wrath in that wind that will drop upon the unrighteous. And now I know what he's talking about. It's the unrighteous religious people 
in the church. Drops of wrath. Not a good word, huh? Not a word you want to take back to your church. But it's a true word. But he said at the same time, the wind would blow upon those who would receive. I, I hear it. And now he's saying, I'm the one. I blow the, 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 the wind upon the fires of coal. I'm the one who fires them up. We love to say, Holy Spirit, fill inside of us. But we need to realize something. The Holy Spirit needs, needs a wind for those coals to get hot and fire and break forth into flames. It needs a wind. Who wants a Holy Spirit that the coals become dim and you need lighter fluid to relight it? Wouldn't you rather have a Holy Spirit, the coals stay fired and hot and they break into flames? That's the new baptism of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. A Holy Spirit fire inside of his people and he's blowing on it and he'll keep blowing on it and he's popping our ears to hear the wind how do you know you can't breathe fire unless you have fire you can't breathe fire unless you got fire you want fire to evangelize you got to have fire you want words you got to have words you got to go in love you got to go in power let me tell you something. What works for me the best are two things, love and power, and bringing people to the Lord or, or shaking them up. Let me tell you something, man. You perform a miracle on somebody, you got their ear. You got their family's ear, you got their doctor's ear, you got the funeral director's ear. You got everybody's ear. When God uses a miracle through you, that's what Jesus did miracles for, was to put the word down. That's what you need. You need power with the word. It ain't, it ain't hard. It's not a formula. Power. And to have the power, you've got to have the fire. And if you got the fire, you blow fire. And when you blow fire, it consumes everything in front of it. Love. Word. Remember I told you I wrote down some words. It was calling, love, and after that it came power. And after power, it said believe. And after believe, it said miracles. Miracles, that's it. You don't have to pay me, you don't gotta go to school. Calling, love, huh? I know I'm picking on him, brother, because I'm being honest with you. I couldn't write that letter for you because I never got it, but I can't write it for you because you ain't supposed to go there. You ain't. There's more for you. I'm just telling you, be mad at me, be whatever you want. I am who I am that I am that I am because there's a calling on your life. There's a calling on your life. And I don't want any hands that pervert your calling. You're the real deal, son. You're the real deal. You're the real deal. Hold on to it. Protect your mantle, filter it. Strengthen it. Don't let any hands touch it. Don't let anything old try to mold. I got it out of me, now I feel much better. Hey! I've been punched so many times, brother. 
one thing I could do. I used to be able to take a good punch. I haven't had one in a while, but that's all right. How about this one? I know you all love this one, verse 17. But this is for the new birth spirit baptism. This is what it's about. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall be set against thee in judgment, you shall condemn it. You shall condemn it. You shall condemn it. Not tolerate it. Not be nice to it. Not to be courteous. But every message that's said the wrong way, condemn it. Condemn it. Say it's wrong. Spit it out. These are the words that he gave after that word. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness and their righteousness and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. That's the true righteousness of God. That's that's the hot fire in the Laodicean church. That's the one that's not lukewarm to get spit out. Nobody can, it's not just that God spits out the lukewarm. Guess what else? The unrighteous spit out the lukewarm. They know. Oh, let me tell you something. There's people I ran with back in the day. They could tell if you were for real or not for real in a heartbeat. They understood who was real and who wasn't real. They knew who could be trusted and not be trusted. They had it like that. How many of you know a lot of unrighteousness have a lot of discernment? Oh, Frank, that's a gift of God. It's a gift of our spirit. It's how we're made. Demons got discernment, some at different levels. Principalities and powers have discernment, some at different levels. The devil has discernment. The unsaved have discernment. I walked in discernment for years not knowing Jesus Christ. I used it, manipulated it, worked it. Wondered why I was able to do some things other people couldn't do. Because it was a gift that God was embellishing inside of me. And until I got retrained and understood and reborn, I didn't know how to use that discernment. But now he's telling us there's a new baptism poured out. And you're going to have new weapons. And that the weapons that are old and being used, they're not going to prosper against you. Because you've been called up to do something special. Gideon was called, had his head in the sand. He was just threshing wine. And the raiders would come through every year and they'd steal everything off the Israels. Everything. Take their food, their cattle, their grain. They were living like paupers. They'd come and take it. And you know what their faith was? They lost their faith. His own tribe built an idol up to Bilgal. First thing Gideon did when God called him man of valor, he said, who, me? I've just been sitting here. They come, I give them whatever they want so they don't kill me. You got the wrong guy, Lord. No, I got the right guy. He said, no longer who you were, you're going to be who I am now. You're going to change man of valor. I'm going to give you courage. I'm going to make you courageous. And so this time, the eighth season, 135,000 of them are coming to raid them again. And they're on that Valley of Jezil, which is a brook and it's a nice place. And they're getting ready to come and God says, Gideon, go defeat them. (laughs) Gideon blows the trumpet 
because that's what he knew how to do. You see, that's what they did to go to war back in the day before the new day that God called. They blew the trumpet, blowing the trumpet the way it used to be blown ain't gonna work, beloved. You got social media to praise God, you got social media for the Antichrist. They pale each other off, that ain't gonna get it. It's a new power of God. It's a new spirit of God that the devil can't block. It's something that permeates people's houses, their minds, their dreams. It's babies crying out to the Father, Father, serve Jesus. The hearts of the children turn into the fathers. The fathers turn into the children. It's beyond supernatural, it's spiritual. And it's a new baptism spirit pouring out. And they're on the, they're on the valley of Jezreel, 135,000 of them. He blows it. He calls forth some of the tribes. He gets 35,000 men to show up to fight. They got their little jars full of their victuals to eat. They've got their handmade weapons because they weren't a warrior nation anymore. Coming with their sickles, whatever they had to go fight. They came because he told them to come and because they were desperate. They were tired of being servants to these Ammonites and Midianites and stealing their hard work for seven years and live like paupers for another season, hoping they didn't come back, but knowing they would. He calls 35,000 people. He's thinking in his mind, well, 10 to one, that's not real good odds, but maybe it's enough, God's with me. God says, son, too many, because you'll take the glory. The Israelites will think they did it instead of me to send back those who are, listen to me, afraid. When God moves to do a new thing, there's no place for fear. He takes the fear out, he sends them home. Sends them home, sends them to the sidelines. Don't participate. You can't handle it, just watch. They come down to 10,000, 25,000 say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going home, I'm going home. They run home as fast as they can. Get out of the fight. They're down to 10,000, 10,000 bad dudes. God says, too many, too many. I got to whittle this army down some more. Your army's too big, Gideon. Gideon says, Lord, now the odds are really bad. What are we going to do here? He said, Lord, I, I don't think this is you. I'm going to lay a fleece out. I'm going to put this fleece out, and Lord, if that fleece has dew on it, if it's wet and the ground is dry, then that's you. He goes to sleep and then he becomes a scientist in the morning when he wakes up and he says, well, something could have happened. You know, maybe the wind blew on this faster. And I don't know what happened. Lord, how about if, how about if you switch it around and you make the ground wet and the fleece dry? And the Lord does it again for him. We're not gonna have the same opportunity to test God to ask him who we are. You know why? Because we already have the Holy Spirit. He's telling you who we are and what we're supposed to do right now. Will we do it? Will we obey? You know the story? It's sort of humorous. God weans the army down to 300 water lappers. They're lappers, right? How they drank the water is how they determined it. I've heard all kinds of stuff about the ones that bowed on their knees and the one that drank like this. You know what? All I know is it's funny. They're water lappers. 300 of them. 
But you know what? All it did was make Gideon more scared because he was walking in something brand new. Walking in something brand new. Hadn't been done before. Oh, he knew about Joshua and the battle of Jericho, but he didn't know about this. Brand new. Lord, this is for us. Gideon, son, I know you're human. I know this is hard for you. I know you're having a hard time getting small to let me be big. But when God gets big, we get small. Sneak down into the camp. You look just like them. You're all from the Mideast. You're dark skinned. They won't know who you are. Change your clothes. Go on down in there with your servant. Sneak in. And he gets in there. First thing he hears is some guy saying, I saw a dream and the barley loaf came rolling in like a wheel. You know what that wheel was? Read Ezekiel 10. The wheel of glory. God moving. It came rolling in and it knocked over the tent of Midian. Gideon's army is going to destroy us. And the other guy says, you're right. That's what's going to happen. And then Gideon, it says, left that camp and began to worship God. He crossed to a timeless mindset. He didn't win it yet. He still had 300 against 135,000. But in his mind, he already won. In his mind, he said, I got it now. I got it, Lord. It's not my numbers. It's not my money. It's not how far I broadcast. It's none of that. It's about you. It's not about a small church in Canfield. It's about him. It's not about can anything be held down or suppressed when God moves, God moves. And you know what? The smaller you get, the greater his glory. <laughs> you like that one, huh, Bing? Yeah. Gideon worships God, and you know the rest of the story. And then all the cowards that went home, they got some of the bounty. They got to keep what they had for the first season in eight years, and they got some of theirs, the Midianites, and they destroyed them. Let's close it up because you have pizza waiting for you. Verse 8. Actually, verse 7. Verse 6. Sorry about that. Chapter 55, verse 6. We're going to close with these scriptures. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's why we answered the call this morning. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Personalize that. When God starts speaking to you, it may not be the most comfortable place and time for you. Stop. Listen. Pull over to the side of the road if you need to. Hear what he has to say. And then remember it. Seek him. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And listen to this. Underline these words. And let him return unto the Lord. Let who? Let the one who says they're righteous and they're unrighteous. 
let that wicked, unrighteous person return unto the Lord. That's our message right now, church. Isaiah saw it clearly then and he sees it now. And it's the message that's going out right now. You know, one of the beauties of having access to a lot of people, one of the gifts which is misused is to call and preach the message of repentance to the saved. How many do that? How many of you watch Christian television and hear that message? How many of you have heard it once in a year? Hmm? Hmm? Not much, huh? Not a popular message. It'll dial down, but that is the message. It's the message to the saved. It's to the redeemed. Get right with God. How many of you know people that are called saved and don't get right with God aren't going to make it to heaven? I know there's some who are telling you they are. I'm telling you they're not. I don't know who they are. I'm not going to judge. By the grace of God, I pray He lets them all. But I can tell you I believe the words of Jesus. Depart from me, unfaithful servant. Those are His words. It needs to be preached. There's something that happens when a ministry, a church, when the church of Christ that calls itself that today gets what they say in Hispanic, gordita, fat. Something happens. Hunger goes away. Just keep eating the same old stuff. Getting the same old result. Not lean, not mean anymore, not yearning, not hungry, just fat. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. For he will abundantly pardon. Do we do God right by not taking that message to the unrighteous church? We're holding back his mercy. We're the ones. He's telling us to tell him. He's telling us to tell him. The blind are leading the blind, beloved, and they're falling off of cliffs. He's telling us to tell him. Some way, somehow, somewhere, you will have that form. I don't care where you're at or what you're doing. You will have that form. You will have a friend. You will have somebody at the grocery store. You will have them at the beauty department. You will have them at work. You'll have them somewhere, somehow. You'll have them in a class. Somewhere, somehow. We all have that opportunity. And it's a lost opportunity if we don't do it. Who will? Who will? My prayer, this is my great prayer for the great awakening, is that the body of Christ wakes up. That's the great awakening because when that happens, now we're qualified to bring souls into what? Into a purified bride. Don't say you quit. Don't stop going for souls because God is pulling in people left and right. And guess what? They don't have to get rid of all the garbage that some of us have. They're coming in fresh and new. All things are new to them. They're not coming in because they want to believe in a rapture. They're coming in because they believe in Jesus Christ and they know the world is dark. 
They're not coming in because somebody told them they're going to hell. They're coming in because God is pulling on their spirit and they say, there's gotta be more in life than what I have. I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm lonely. I need healed, I need delivered from drugs, I need delivered from alcohol, I've been abused, I got no mama, I got no daddy, I don't know who's what, but I do know there's gotta be something better. Let me love you and show you who he is. They're brand new, but at the same time, there's a work to be done in the body of Christ. And I dare say to you, it's a bigger work than's in the world. God's got the world down. Romans 8, inside of everybody, there's a little spiritual clock waiting to get ticked that's yearning, yearning, yearning. Orphans, abandoned, yearning to be repatronized with their father. Yearning, it's inside. We just got to push the button, hit the clock. But unfortunately, that same clock's not ticking in the unrighteous in the, in, in, in the church. That hand got stuck. It's called self-righteousness and false grace. It's a roulette now, it's become a roulette wheel. Let me see if I could just keep sinning before the number stops on death and see if I make it, huh? That's what I see. I see that roulette wheel of risk of faith, seeing if you can just, just get right to the last moment and then get right with God and, and, and before death hits, but unfortunately death doesn't tell you when it's coming. Or doesn't matter, I'm saved by grace no matter what. No matter what, let the wheel keep on turning. Finally this. Verse 8, 55. Well, hmm. we sure learned that this morning. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Now remember... He's talking to church people here, not the unsaved. Talking to church people. My ways aren't your ways. You want me to conform to your ways? My ways are new. You're ahead of your skis. Am I with you or are you with me? What's going on here? The Lord says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And then I love this, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Beloved, you know what that tells me? We got to reach out for his thoughts and his ways. And we got to be pliable, flexible, fallowed to receive them when they come down. We could chase all over the earth to get the word when the word's right there all over the earth. I feel sorry for restless people that go here and there and there and there, chasing the big names, the big places, the big people. Why? Is that God's way? Not in my Bible. Not in my Bible. My thoughts, then your thoughts, and then this, heavens and the heavens. Oh, I love this. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it gave seed, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that which goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return 
to me void, and it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherewith I sent it. Do you, do you still remember the word that came from the Lord? I mean, you could say that was friend. That's your business. That wasn't me. I remember it. Get it and let it sear into you. He says, eat it. He said, it won't come back void from the person I sent it into. Look what he said. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He's not talking about things. He's not talking about your car, your house, your clothes, not even your hearing aid. He's talking about you. It shall not come back void, that rain that comes forth from my mouth. You see, true prophets, they are the mouth of God at the moment that God calls them to, not at all times. True prophets cannot have a quarter put in the machine and gurgitate out something prophetic. Oh yeah, I came out of a ministry that tried to use me like that all over the world. Frank, come up here, prophesy over these people. And then one of them happened to call back the apostle and say, I don't like the word he gave me. He says, if I don't repent and change my heart, I'm going to die. Apostle said, Frank, that's, that's not what you should be saying, people. I said, you want me to tell them what I got from God, or what do you want me to tell them? You, you want to tell them something else? You tell them. And let the blood be on your hands. You want to tell them they're doing great and God loves them? I'm telling them God said if they keep sinning, you're going to kill them. Oh, well, maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. Well, then don't call on me anymore. Because I'm not a concession stand prophet. And how many of you know most of the words that come out of true prophets, they're not easy ones. They're tough ones. Oh, yeah. They're tough ones. Thus saith the Lord, he loves you. The Bible tells me that. Thus saith the Lord, he wants to prosper you. The Bible tells me that. Thus saith the Lord, if you don't change your heart, I'm going to kill you. Ooh. I'm going to take away your ministry from you. I'm going to set you down like Nebuchadnezzar in a cow field and let you move to the stars. I'm going to ring you out. There's dark times coming on the earth. No, but there's an awakening. There's dark times coming on the earth. Prepare for the dark times. No, you don't need to. God's grace will keep you no matter what. Here it is. I've been doing it. I told you I was coming to an end. I'm almost there. I didn't prepare this, but you like this one because we're going to go out. Chapter 55, verse 12. If you do these things, you listen to this word, for you shall go out with joy, and you shall be led with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So there's a good ending to the story. But he says, if you do these things, you shall go out with joy and you shall go out with peace. <laughs> that we should be able to testify to. You got peace inside of you? You got peace? Then it means you're, you're walking in the things of God. Having a yearning for God is, is not unrest. It's not, not being at peace, it's just that we control the yearning. Huh? It's like a stallion 
You control the stallion. You let the stallion go where you want it to go, not where it wants you to go. You control that yearning. And then you'll break forth into singing. And the mountains. What he's saying is everything, the entire atmosphere, your sphere of influence shall conform to you. And you'll have dominion and authority and abundance and peace. And most of all, ah, the favor of God. Who wants the favor of God? I want the favor of God. I want to walk in that favor. I want to believe I'm walking in that favor. I want to know I'm walking in that favor. I want everywhere I go to be a place that I already know I am going to somehow or another, it's going to bless me and all things are going to work out to good because I have the favor of God because I'm obeying God and because he's pouring out this new baptism upon us that he says, if we will do these things, yes, you're going to get persecuted. Yes, people are going to talk against you. Yes, you're going to have fights. Yes, you're going to have to have rejections. Yes, family members are going to come against you. Yes, things are going to happen. But if you do these things, you're going to walk with joy and peace and abundance and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Read this stuff. Get the word. If you want to scoff at the word, scoff at it. I can't make you accept or not accept. But I can tell you I know it's true. It's true as I know it's true. Get that word. Read these chapters. Read these chapters. And see if that shoe fits. And then wear it. Then wear it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray that I be offensive to none who are righteous. And I pray for the unrighteous, Lord God, that me, we, this word, be like the spike of a porcupine, an adjutant, an irritant, abrasive, a cough, something that can't be spit out, compromised, thought away, but that attaches to the spirit and grinds. Let it hold on, Father. Let it hold on like a bulldog on a leg biting in deep, can't be shook loose. Let it be something, Father, that as the writer told us, pluck some out of the fire. Pluck some out of the fire, Lord. Get their feet out of the fire, Lord God. Keep our feet out of the fire, Lord. Keep our feet out of the fire, Lord. Continue to forgive us, Lord. Continue, Lord, to let us walk in that cloak of humility and repentance. And Father, we thank you for the fire. Holy Spirit, fire, come fresh and let the breeze keep burning inside of us. Let the wind be to our backs and be filling inside of us, Father. A fresh nefesh, new baptism fire pouring out upon us, Lord, and upon those that you will allow us and help us to touch and reach wherever they are. Let us serve in the capacities that you give us to serve. Let us grow and be strong in you, O oh Lord, in you alone. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord, and let us help others in truth and in spirit, in righteousness and honesty, in sincerity, in love. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Ralph, would you collect the offering, please? I just want to make this little comment. Um, there's some really good stuff happening at the hands of people in the church. I know we're busy, but try to jump onto some of that stuff. Um, I purposefully stay out of it because I want it to be coming from the church. I don't want my fingerprints on it. I want his fingerprints on it. But the Bible studies are, are cooking up on Thursdays, and the worship, from what I even heard Friday night, was incredible. 